This is Mouth Media Network. Welcome to another show with Material Is Your Business. I am your host, Rob Sanchez, and uh, I'm joined by Stephanie Benedetto. Good morning. And Samantha Cortez. Hey. And we are here with uh, two guests. So we have Pierre Schmidt. He's the president of several textile companies in France, in Alsace. In Alsace. Alsace. <clears throat> and Everybody knows Alsace in the yes. States. Perfect. You know why? Because, uh, the scu- because Bartholdi was a sculpture of your, of your Statue of Liberty. Okay. And he's coming from Alsace. We should That's know easy. that. How <clears throat> yeah. could we not know Thanks. that? You should know. That, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we have to teach you sometimes about your history. <laughs> That's yeah. the reason we are here as well. Okay. I see it's going to be really hard to get you to say things on mics. So <laughs> we're going to have trouble pulling information out. Uh, <laughs> and, and we're also joined by Ellie Skeel, who is the president and founder of Himalayan Wild Fibers. And um, we're happy to have both of you here. From New York City, this is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Your hosts for this episode are Samantha Cortez, international consultant and founder of Samantha's Platform, Rob Sanchez, business strategist and COO of Open Source Business, and Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and co-founder of Queen of Raw. And now, here are your hosts. Just to get going a little bit, I'd love to have both of you say a little bit about what you're doing, just a short thumbnail sketch of your work and what you're doing and how you uh, think of this industry. Yeah, we are uh, textile companies. We do textiles uh, since uh, many years. We have taken over a few old textile companies in France, and we love textile. We love textile because we think that uh, textile, <coughs> the material, does make a difference. Everybody's talking about fashion, but behind fashion, there is a material. And today, the, we have lost the contact with the material. And everybody's talking about everything without knowing what is behind the material. Most of the time, it's a lot of cotton, and everybody knows that cotton is a deadly material because for the environment, it's awful. Cotton, yeah. we know for a pair of jeans, you need, I uh, think about, I'm sorry to talk about uh, liter. Um, in Europe, we say it's, uh, you need about 5,000 liter or 10,000 just mm-hmm. for one pair of jeans. It's a disaster. Yeah. 50, uh, between 30 and 50% of the pesticides are used just for cotton plantation mm. worldwide. Okay, it's a nonsense. But yeah. basically, we have lost, what we noticed that we have lost over the last years, our original textile culture, including in U.S. I was just mentioning to Eli that during the Second World War, there was a slogan, hemp for victory. Yes. You remember. Ever, and hemp today, it's forbidden. Yeah. And hemp was a natural, local plant. It used excellent. to be required to grow it in the U.S. Exactly. It was yeah. excellent for the environment, excellent for textile, excellent for everything. Today, there's no hemp anymore in the yeah. States. And that's the reason why we think we should care about natural fiber, which, doesn't, which do not have any impact on the environment. And in this regard, I think uh, Himalayan nettle is a perfect example. Doesn't need any water, doesn't need any pesticide, doesn't need any fertilizer, fertilizer, nothing. Look, it's a natural plant, which is uh, outstanding uh, also for your body, because it does breathe, it's alive, 
it's not dead through so many process, uh, processes like the cotton. Yeah. And that's the reason why we support this uh, foundation from Eliskil, because first of all, it's also an excellent way of keeping the farmer in uh, Nepal, and we should care also about what we do when we buy clothes, because there's always people behind your fabric. And mm -hmm. everybody knows what happened in Bangladesh. Uh, yeah. We close the eye. Uh, two uh, two centuries ago, we had slaves behind the cotton. Yeah. And the slaves were not paid. And they killed our local textile already. Because at the time, we didn't have any cotton in Europe. We had only hemp, linen, wool, and nettle. And the mm -hmm. whole textile industry was killed with the cotton. And cotton doesn't grow in Europe, as you know. Yeah. And we survived many, many centuries all over Europe without any cotton. And today we use cotton much without, without taking in, into account the damage on the environment. And therefore we have to learn. And in this respect, I think Eli is giving us good lesson how to, to rediscover our textile culture, which we lost over the years. Because the nettle, even the Egyptians were using nettle. Nothing new, but we lost everything. And for, for, uh, and we have today a good example of discovering the beauty of this nettle. So, Eldi, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about the nettle, if, if you could talk. Himalayan nettle is uh, very closely um, related to common nettle, which grows on every continent except Antarctica, and has been a product used in textiles around the world for eons. Himalayan nettle evolved uniquely in, at altitude in the Himalayas and it grows only in forests with a, a tree cover. Not a complete canopy, there's light getting through, but a tree cover. Um, and it's, the plant itself is over three meters tall. Um, it grows annually, it's a rhizome. So it is, I like to say that the plant itself is perfectly sustainable. Mm -hmm. uh, villagers graze their animals in the forest that gives a little bit of nitrogen through the droppings. But other than that, there are no inputs. Mm -hmm. um, it is, the fiber itself is also the longest fiber that man knows to date. We have to cut it in order to process it because oh, wow. it can't be, I mean, it's, it, we've, we've found fibers that are almost a meter in length. The average fiber is over 20 inches. Um, so we, we have to cut it for anybody to be able to spin it. Uh, Pierre's spinner spins a dry spun that is, I think, on average about... Um, 11 centimeters long, something? Yeah, seven, yeah, seven, eight, seven, seven or ten. eight centimeters long. So that's extremely long, and they're able to spin it dry, which is environmentally really great. Um, the fiber is hollow, which makes it also quite unique. It's the most hollow of any fiber that I've ever encountered. Um, and this gives it a resiliency, a life. It has a, a, a springiness that other, it's a bast fiber, comes from the stalk of the plant. But it, as opposed to hemp or flax linen, it has a springiness, a, a liveliness that comes back because of the hollow, I believe it's because of the hollow core. Okay. It's actually interesting because you were talking yesterday that the Himalayan plant, the fiber is longer in the Himalayas, but not as long in other places. Well, the common nettle plant, common which nettle. grows everywhere, the fiber is very short. It's a couple centimeters long. It's, so it's comparable to cotton. And many people try to cottonize it or mercerize it and spin it on cotton equipment. There's a lot in Europe where they don't grow cotton. There's a lot of research into how to take advantage of common nettle. And it's an important crop. It's, it can be an industrial commercial crop. 
Um, Himalayan nettle will never be available in the same kind of quantities unless someone decides to try to cultivate it. And it's quite different in, in almost every way, it, but length, uh, luster, hollow core, uh, strength. It is extremely strong. This plant grows for as much as three months, excuse me, six months at altitude in a very harsh environment. It's a monsoonal climate, but it's at, at altitude, subtropical. So the plant goes through incredible uh, changes in uh, temperature, in rainfall, um, in, in order to grow. And so the, the, the fiber is very, very strong in order to withstand that. Does that make, is that what you were getting at? Yes. Okay. It was the the discussion that we had earlier that you said that not all of the plants have that same um, length. No, so common, that's where, nettle, yeah, yeah, common nettle common fiber nettle is very short. short Himalayan nettle fiber like is very long. long. Yeah. Yes. But it's the same family. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, as Ellie was saying, uh, this net, a nettle does grow everywhere, all over Europe, all over the U.S., but uh, this variety in Himalayan is ex excellent for textile because of the fiber. But also, we have been working for many years with a common nettle in Europe. And that's the reason why we got, we got a lot of experience how to handle it and to make, how to change the nettle into a fiber. Because you know, or, or, as you know, we in France, we have a long tradition with linen. We are still today the first worldwide producer in linen. And obviously, we have used this long linen experience to convert this uh, fiber, this Himalayan fiber, in a nice piece of fabric. And we are using, and we are using obviously, all our experience, our linen experience, for the nettle. And that's the reason why we, we, we met uh, by coincidence. But I think it's an excellent uh, package altogether to, uh, to an excellent combination because the know-how we have does, uh, does uh, give us a possibility to make the best, fa the best fabric with this uh, fiber. And it's true. I'm sitting here looking at my jeans that I came in and, and comparing it to the nettle, and you can completely see that the hand, the feel, the, the texture, the look, it's just so much more alive and real and beautiful. And, and, and you haven't been wearing it yet. No. Right. You can imagine the feeling you will get once you will be wearing it. I can't wait. <laughs> I'd like to um, add to what I was saying before that the reason the company exists to commercialize this fiber is not to bring an incredible uh, sustainable fiber to the market, although that's a wonderful byproduct of our work. The main reason is to help the farmers who live a subsistence farming life in the Himalayas. They keep animals, they grow crops, about half the time they have enough to get by in a year. A quarter of the time, they have a little bit of excess to sell. A quarter of the time, they don't even make it through the year. They have to go and work in India or elsewhere. Um, so this is a way for them to make some money by selling us their raw material in the off season. They go out and they work when their farm is dormant during the winter. They collect this raw material. We buy it, the raw material, at a fair price. And then we convert it to a base fiber that then goes into the supply chain to Pierre. I think it's the most important today is, is to feel responsible for what you buy, basically. I would say today you buy anything, it's coming from any place worldwide and nobody knows what is behind. And even if you know what is behind, you close your eye, basically. Yeah? And that's one of the and main... Today, and oh. today, by using this nettle, you can be proud about the story which is behind this nettle. 
That's one of the main reasons we did start this podcast is was to get people to think and understand their textiles and the materials that come into to play into the garments and into any product and understand where it's coming from. What does it take to make it? And um, that's why I approached you guys because I, I, we talked about this, this fiber. I touched it. I felt it. It was amazing. So I was like, you know what? We need to have them on the show. <laughs> and we always say it gives the designers themselves as well a story. I mean, they become part of this story. And when they're using this materials, it adds to their brand and their own story, too. And it just builds this whole kind of community. And, and I think it's the direction that we're going in. Are you currently working with any designers? And in terms of production, is this something that an H&M, a Forever 21, could eventually use? I think it's very, very new. We have shown it to a few people over France. All the people who, are, uh, who discovered this fabric were really surprised. And I think also it's one point which we have forgotten to mention. It's extremely pleasant to wear it because you don't sweat. Today, you mm -hmm. sweat. With many fabrics you are wearing because the fabric don't breathe. Cotton yeah. doesn't breathe anymore because with all the chemical processes, you kill the cotton, basically. Like it doesn't breathe like wool. Wool does breathe. Yeah. And the nettle does breathe. And you feel always fresh, more even compared to linen. Wow. Well, that's a good spot to uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, more with Pierre Schmidt and Elise Kiel. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion, technology, and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at MouthMediaNetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot, and now back to the show. We're back with uh, Pierre Schmidt and Ellie Skeel talking about Himalayan metal and just fibers in general. Um, so I want to know a little bit more about... Um, how you're planning to get this into the market, how you're planning to make it available to designers, and what quantities we can expect to kind of be available in the future. I'll start. Mm -hmm. uh, Himalayan Nettle, uh, my company, Himalayan Wild Fibers, is commercializing the fiber. Our probably most important partner at the moment is Pierre and his, the companies that he works with and are put together. He's put an entire supply chain together, right, in a very localized area in Alsace, which is amazing because they can go from spinning to selling a garment within a couple of weeks because they're all right there communicating. So they're an important resource for us, an important customer. It's really great. But we are working with other mills um, to, who are developing yarns, particularly for knitwear. Um, don't need to, I don't know that you want me to talk about them right now, um, but our goal is to find um, mill partners who can commercialize our fiber into products that can be used by designers to produce final product for consumers. I, I according to our conversation, I had understood that's like a very um, 
there's not that much of the fiber. No, it grows wild. So it and it's very difficult to harvest it because villagers have to walk anywhere from a couple of hours to a couple of weeks to get to the forest that they have responsibility for, and then often they actually camp outside the forest for a couple of weeks while they harvest. They go into the forest and they harvest the material. And then they have to carry it out, dry it, carry it down. And I'm I'm, I'm handing, using my hands to symbolize what they do. They carry baskets on their forehead with a tump line on their foreheads. They have to carry the material down to a roadhead. It's it's a labor-intensive process to get it. So we don't expect to ever have any kind of huge volume. It doesn't, it, it doesn't make any sense unless someone decides to try to commercialize it, but or cultivate it, but that's not our goal. We're really focused on the wild growing fiber. It's the most sustainable. It creates the impact that we want for the villagers. And they are able to encourage the growth. So we may be able to expand beyond our initial expectation. We hope to produce about a thousand metric tons of the fiber over time. We have to scale up carefully in order to balance our raw material purchases with demand for the fiber, with what the villagers are able to do and still sustain their livelihoods as they exist today. We don't want to disrupt the current way in which they live. Is there Um, a risk of over-harvesting? No. It's a rhizome. Well, sure. There's always a risk. I don't mean to be so blunt about it. I believe there could be a risk of over-harvesting. It's unlikely if we do it responsibly, which mm-hmm. I believe we are. The plant's a rhizome, and if you cut the, the, the vertical shoots, the rhizome becomes stronger. So it's actually um, beneficial to harvest it. And we have forestry professionals in Nepal who will go on the record saying they believe that harvesting it actually creates a net positive environmental impact. We can't document that, we can't prove it, but forestry professionals will say that. Uh, we would looking forward to the time when we can actually document it by having some science done to, to figure that out. Um, it also does go to seed though. So every year it's important to leave a couple of stalks going to seed. Right now, only about, probably less than 5% of the total amount of the plant that's growing in the Himalayas is actually collected. So there's no risk of it being over-harvested anytime soon. Okay. So once it's harvested and you get it here, what is the process it goes through in your factories and then what kind of finished goods uh, is it ideal for? It's, uh, no, first of all, when we process it in France, it's, uh, it's quite a complicated process to get an, a nice yarn, but we have to use many know-how. And it took us a while before uh, being able to find the right know-how. It's not an easy fabric uh, to make today, but we were very lucky to find the right people uh, to, with, uh, as Ellie was saying, with the spinning, because obviously it's a, you need really <clears throat> high techno- textile technology to handle it uh, properly and to make a nice fiber with it. But you can, the fiber can be used, uh, as Ellie was <laughs> saying, in knits, in woven, uh, for men's, for women, uh, for jacket, We're for shirt, for uh, socks. Oh, wow. I, companies. I just would like to tell you a story about it. During, uh, during the second, the first world war, the German were uh, wearing socks in wool, which was very, was, which were not very pleasant, and was very uncomfortable. And uh, suddenly they got the idea of using nettle, and they mixed nettle with uh, wool, and it was much more comfortable. 
And it's a true story. That's an amazing. And, and although that's common nettle, the same the attributes nettle. of common nettle that made it more comfortable apply are equally are, are carried by Himalayan nettle. I've actually seen the process of the fiber when they're mixing the uh, wool, and you're you're talking about the strands of of the the metal, and, and um, I was wondering how they mixed it in the past so easily. In the it's past, like, yes. But in the it's past, I would say people, a farmer, uh, it's like linen or hemp. People were uh, harvesting it, were uh, uh, were extracting the yarn at the fiber and the same people were doing everything like it was uh, uh, it was an it was an, an operation which was uh, let's say quite common and the people had a lot of experience and all the details they cared about they knew exactly how to harvest it all the detail to make sure after they can extract the fiber easily and that's the reason why they were easy, they were able. But today, you have to go through many, many processes. And very, very often, at the end of the supply chain, people don't know what the first people did at the beginning. And it's a lot, a lot of nonsense going on. But if you put everything under one roof, you have a much better understanding how to handle it. It's exactly like when you do a, a nice cake, you know. When you uh, when you have many companies who do uh, who are involved in a cake, I don't think it's it's going to be a good cake. If you do everything in your kitchen, it will be a much better cake. It's exactly the same. I think tomorrow people have to will discover the beauty of this nettle. But I think maybe tomorrow in the U.S. and in Europe, people will start planting again nettle yes. as well. I think obviously it's a small production, and Himalayan nettle will always be at the top. But uh, European and the U.S. nettle could be also a very wonderful story. And I think we have, we have to promote uh, this local production, first of all, for your environment, because I think uh, the cotton environment is not very friendly. And I think uh, if uh, everybody cares about environment, and I think we, we can learn a lot about this nettle, and I hope this, your local industry will discover the beauty and will invest in the local, uh, in your local U.S. nettle, and it will be for the benefit of everybody as well. So right now, how can designers get access to this, if at all? Uh, so you have to call Eli or to myself, <laughs> and we, we will, uh, no, I'm not, I'm joking, we will exhibit this at all fairs. Obviously, we have a very small line today, just about one a few products, but now we will progress very quickly because basically we, we, we do control quite well the supply chain. And we are able now to, to progress much quicker all, the, all over the next fair. I think the next fair in New York here, I think we will be able to show a nice uh, full line of garment uh, showing what the designer can make with it. You said that, um, a while back ago uh, that um, you have a store? We have a um, small store where we sell our product because for us it's extremely important to have a direct contact with the consumer. Because once we would like also to know how, uh, what the people were, uh, we would like to understand what the people are going to tell us about wearing this nettle. Because we think it's extremely pleasant and also very good for your skin. Because obviously we have a lot of material which are not always, you know, you have today a lot of problems with aller, aller, allergies. 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 And I think the nettle could be extremely beneficial 
to some people who are suffering from uh, allergies, but we have to test it. And that's the reason why we need this, uh, we need this direct contact with our customer. Nettle, and Himalayan Nettle in particular, actually has an incredible um, list of positive properties. Some have been thoroughly documented, some not so much, but I mean, people press the seeds for oil that they use in shampoos for dandruff. They, the Nepalis in the mountains, they harvest the leaves and they cook them and eat them as greens. Um, the, the plant is medicinal in a variety of ways. It also, the silica gel that holds up the stingers, which on Himalayan nettle are a lot stingier than common nettle. Um, that silica makes the plant uh, fire retardant. Our current processing uh, eliminates most of the silica, but one day we might opt to do a type of processing that would retain that silica. Um, there, there are just a lot of properties that nettle has that are really remarkable. And I want to shift gears though for a second, and like you, earlier you were saying how we got into this. Yeah. Um, I lived in Nepal for about two decades, moved there to start a technology company and hire Nepalis to do offshore software development. I adopted two children there, two Nepali kids who are now in college in the US, so I've moved my base back to America, but I still go there regularly. And product handicrafts made from Himalayan nettle are readily available in the tourist district. And in fact, villagers in the area where the areas where it is collected and processed used to wear garments made from Himalayan nettle until Chinese junk became uh, prolific in the, um, the even the local village markets and people started to wear uh, clothes that were produced elsewhere. But the, the, the clothing that they were wearing, the Himalayan nettle clothing that was um, made from scratch all the way through to the weaving, cutting, hand stitching in the villages um, was not comfortable to wear, interestingly, because they don't have the technology to remove all of the microscopic particles off of the fiber and make it comfortable. So um, that's one of the things that we spent a lot of time working on was improving the, the raw material extraction process so that the fiber would be comfortable to touch and look lustrous and feel silky. It's not the case of the fiber that's extracted by the, the villagers up in their home villages. And Pierre, how did you get into this? As I told you, we have been working for a while as well with our hemp, local hemp. And that's the reason why we discovered uh, we we were so so convinced about the, the story. It was for us. It was a natural attitude to work with uh, with Ellie about this. It looks like silk. You can see. You can feel it. Feels that's like amazing. Silk. Yeah, completely. And you can see how uh, fresh and how cool it is. Beautiful. The fiber. It's gorgeous. You, you can feel the coolness naturally. And that, yeah, the, the color and that white and the shine sheen yeah. on it. It's beautiful. You would believe it's silk. No, Unbelievable, absolutely. Just if you'd like to see, this is the raw material we buy uh, at fair trade prices. And you can see the bark oh. on one side and the fiber on the other. Yeah. Um, and then this is what we produce in this, Nepal make this very this. carefully. That gets cut for different buyers. Um, and then that gets shipped, cut and Please. shipped to a company in, in Europe who converts it to this for us. We can't do this in Nepal. No, okay. but it smells beautiful. It smells beautiful. Yeah, 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 like it's true, yeah. It smells yeah. like the, the nature. Yes. Come yeah, to you Nepal. Can feel the nature. <laughs> it's true, yeah. 
That's amazing that out of that, that, that fiber is so long and strand. That's why it was, to me, it was uh, amazing how they combined it with the wool because this, this, this short strand and the long yeah. strand, it must have been. The, well, when they were combining wool with uh, common nettle, they're both fairly short. But even so, I mean, a good a good uh, textile company can good can blend them. Together. Yeah, we've got we have a sample from another another company not working in the same area that Pierre's working in, where they've got we've got a wool Himalayan nettle sample. Okay, wonderful. You can still see the luster in this what we've produced, even though it hasn't been bleached yet. You can really see, if you look, you can see the the luster. Yeah, I wow. guess I'm, we're going to get to the. And then this is the actual. Well, out. these are produced by not Pierre's company, but just is just addressing the 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 wool Himalayan nettle blending issue. These are knits, and um, Philia and Pierre's companies are focused on wovens. Okay, and um, is it similar to hemp in that it wears to like a, a sheen or a? Um... Bast fibers all get better with 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 washing and wearing and mm -hmm. and use. If you look at an old, well-made from good linen garment, 50 years, it's still gorgeous. It just, they get better and better and better. And yeah. yes, so Himalayan nettle would be the same as hemp or, or, or okay. any other bast fiber. Yes. All right, well, that's a good place to take our final break. And so we'll be right back with more from Pierre Schmidt and uh, Ellie Skeel. So lately you've probably noticed that Mouth Media Network has been premiering a number of really cool new podcasts, but uh, we have a different kind of show, a really exciting new program that we're going to be premiering in the middle of April, April 15th, and it is called 16 Weeks, and we hope that you will listen to it and subscribe. You can sign up to be notified when the show launches at 16weekspodcast.com. Take the next minute to go on a journey with us because here's a sneak peek at 16 weeks. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. and I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. Uh, welcome to the final segment, which means, that's right, it's time for... And now, it's Remnants. When we have a chance to ask more personal questions from our guests, 
Um, so we uh, don't know what we're going to ask. We um, <laughs> maybe we'll ask you something. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I can try. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so we'll decide uh, who you asked. Have you have learned yeah. something today, no? About oh, Netflix. Yes. Okay, yes. that's the most important. And we hope your uh, your uh, listener have also learned something about Netflix. I'm sure they will. I'm fascinated by the fiber. I want to find ways to play with it. Um, so, yeah, we, we'll decide who asked the first question by drawing uh, strips of fabric. Now, I, yeah. I've forgotten to mention something also. I, I, I don't know if your listener know uh, Victor Hugo, which is a famous writer. You know, The Miserable. That we yeah. know. Uh, Victor Hugo and Victor Hugo in The Miserable was, uh, was writing about the beauty of the nettle. Mm-hmm. It was it's a, it's a small sentence about the beauty, and it was describing exactly why the nettle is a wonderful plant and why uh, the nettle fabric are so nice. Very interesting. It's a good quote for your website, then. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have to translate it into English, but it's quite amazing to see uh, that a writer like Victor Hugo knew the beauty of the nettle. And, it was, and it is, it's written in The Miserable. Oh, wow. Excellent. Um, all right, so we'll get started with the personal questions, and um, we draw the strips, and it looks like uh, Stephanie is first. What's the last book you read? The last book I read, uh, Les Miserables. <laughs> <laughs> Again, because I read it obviously when I was when I was younger, but uh, this uh, story about the nettle gave me uh, gave me the idea to read it again. Oh wow! Excellent. And how about you, Ellie? Uh, I'm reading, uh, shoot, darn Kindle doesn't show me the uh, cover. Uh, What's it about? A, it's set in, in Addis Ababa, but it's uh, two boys of Indian heritage growing up with adoptive parents. It's a very complicated, lovely, uh, sort of a romantic look at developing nations and then they shift to America. Oh, and the one I read before that was Americana, which I was very moved by. And uh, next up, it looks like it's Samantha. Two adopted kids. How about you, Pierre? I have three kids. Three kids? Can two you tell daughter, me two daughters and one boy. Oh, so. And two daughters who love textile as well which is important. Take over the family business? Certainly. I think it's, uh, it's a long story about the kids because we, we I think, uh, oh no, I think I hope they will love what they do and that's for me the most experience. I'm very lucky because I do a job which is full of uh, passion and I uh, enjoy my, uh, my uh, day, my full day, every, every single minute. I'm never bored. And I think because we can discover so many things, and I hope that uh, the kids, my kids, and maybe other kids, will discover as well the beauty of the textile. Textile, it's not only about uh, price and competition. Textile is also about uh, passion, emotion. And I think we have to, as an industrial company, we have to teach people to, uh, to appreciate the beauty about uh, material and, and uh, that you can make a living with full of passion uh, for all your life. And I think it's possible. It's not a dream, it's a reality. 
Excellent. And uh, are you kids involved in the industry? No. <laughs> uh, they watched me with a startup, uh, struggling to bring in financing and figuring all of this out, and chose to to, to pull back from that. They're both in college now, um, and my daughter was born an anthropologist. Uh, my son is going to be majoring in international studies, and they're both going to be probably living in Japan when they're older. They're both Japanophiles. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, all right, so I'm last, and so uh, I love to know a little bit about where people come from. So I'm wondering for each of you, when was the moment when you fell in love with the fiber? When was the first moment you remember touching and feeling something that you really connected with? You are talking about the Himalayan fiber? No, um, from your childhood, any fiber at all. When was that I, first I moment? No, I was brought up in a farm. But basically, before studying, I knew already what is natural in terms of food. I care about food, what we eat. And I think uh, it's very often I try to make a difference between food and textile. Because 10 years ago, nobody cared about food. Today, you care about food. You ask yeah. where it's coming from. And textile will be exactly the same. People, you are wearing a lot of things with dye stuff. You don't know even the impact they will have on your skin. And I think when you see there is no control. And today, we have to teach people to care about what they are wearing the full day on your skin. For me, it's a nightmare. It's to, to, to see that we are putting on our skin for 20, I don't know how many hours a day, things and you don't know the chemical dye stuff which are on your skin on your body and it doesn't yeah. make sense exactly the same way it didn't make sense when we ate without knowing where it's coming from and today we have to teach people to care about it and this i think it's for me it's the most important lesson for the future for me it was when i saw a more refined version of the himalayan nettle fiber blended with some cotton and uh naturally died in Kathmandu and it was uh, I'd seen the fiber in in handicrafts in the tourist district and it was scratchy and awful and miserable and I didn't I'm, I'm not a textiles person by by career um, and then when I saw this fabric blended and I touched it I thought this is uh, but you see my attraction to it was to the idea that it could be a force for good and change in the mountains. Um, so my love affair with the Himalayan people and, and my, it was all interconnected at, in that respect. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. Is there any final thought you'd like to leave us with? You know that we are fully passionate. We cannot, be, we cannot work without any passion. <laughs> yes. You have yes. noticed it. I hope so. <laughs> we become Definitely. animated as soon as we start to talk about the things that matter to us. Yeah. 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 He's always animated. <laughs> I'm, I'm not always animated, but when I'm talking about this, I'm animated. Uh, I went to Nepal uh, to trek. I fell in love with it. I took 500 photos. 400 of them were of children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that that's what I was doing. Uh, so I moved there a couple of years later and figured out how to support myself by starting a company. And then I fell in love with the people in the mountains. And this fiber has transformed my life. No, it's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah. Thank you very much. 
This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. Thank you.